following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. And I understand we have a birthday today. Oh, whoa. Whose birthday is it? Troy, when's your birthday? August 28th. We already passed that. DG? Jan 4. Travion? December 27th. Whoa. Well, who's not could it yours? Because I know yours is in no, August. No, mine's as well. August fifteenth. Uh, Big Steve. Big Steve. No, I. I we don't even know. Nobody knows. Stupid birthday. I think he's also August. Actually. He is actually. I think it's in my list somewhere. Don't buried. Don't care. Uh, today's birthday. Happy birthday to hashtag my boy. Uh Deuce Vaughn turns twenty one. Today, Ooh. a big milestone birthday for number twenty-two. His Dang. dad's his dad's tweet was pretty cool. Yes, it today. was. What did he What did he say? Photos. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a collage of photos saying, yeah. "Hey, you're my best bud." Can ask for a better son. Deuce looked like Deuce as a little kid. Yeah, yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. He really did. Says like he's the best son ever. Which damn. You know, I mean, come on. What dad doesn't say? No that, doubt. You know? But uh, you know, in I mean, if if this was the kind of guy, Deuce was like a Wednesday birthday for your twenty one is pretty cool. That's gonna be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a Friday Saturday birthday, you're like, oh great, I've been paying a lot of money. Tonight would be fun, but he's focused. He's got one thing on his mind. Deuce Vaughn could go out and have a good time without taking a drink. Yes, You know what I mean? Yes, he could. For a lot of us, we needed to loosen up. Deuce is already loose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, valid point. Oh, my God. Well done. Right off the bat like that. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. That was an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So to celebrate, not just celebrate that, but also it's the day after Halloween. Yeah, buddy. Um, Fortunately, couldn't do the trick-or-treater gimmick. Uh, at the house, you know, I, I was here most of the night, so I decided to go out earlier today and go get some of that half-price candy. So, yeah. I got you boys some presents. Wow, look at them Reese's! I got, I got Reese's. I got Twix. Oh. Yeah, but he got fun got sizes. Snickers. He just bought fun sizes. That's it- what you get on Halloween. Rawr. I'm gonna flip out. So I was gonna leave it up to you guys. I could either give you each a bag. You pick out which one you want, or I could just throw it in a mix, and you just come into the sports office whenever you want and grab some. Mix, mix, mix. Well, Travion, would you would you like to take a bag for yourself? What do you got? <laughs> Snickers, Twix, and Reese's. I'll take the bag of Reese's. Oh well, there you go. I guess you guys are down to the. Uh, Twix but if you want to mix it, I don't care. Mix, but, you know, mix. You he doesn't count me. for half a vote. <laughs> And he's skinny. Yeah, you know? dude. And he was telling me that he don't even he's like. keep his figure. Yeah, he don't even like candy. He was like, I was like, you could just steal the candy you want from where you work. And he's like, no, I can't do that. Stupid. All right, fine. Well, here, I we got the Mets helmet somewhere. We can just. It, originally, the Mets helmet had sliders and fries from <laughs> from uh, oh, City Field Yeah, in uh, Flushing, New York City. So I might as well just replace it with. A different kind You're of You're the man, dude. Nice. I think this cost me like $5. <laughs> you know, there was still candy left. 
to do, like there was like a whole pallet that was as high as me. Whoa! Yeah, no joke. There's like, a lot of things like this. There, yeah, There's good candy too. Not the crap Dude, you that's don't a want. Ton of candy left because I figured. Like Easter, when you go rolling in there for Easter, there ain't nothing left. And Sarah and I went in on Halloween. We were like, dude, we have a lot of chocolate, but we don't have a lot of sours or sweets things. We were looking for something starbursty kind of. Nothing. Just that stuff. I didn't see a lot of like starburst slash no. Skittle stuff. I mean, there was. I just, it, it's really where I saw most of it was like in the big like 125 piece bags uh-huh. where there's like six different type of candies but also you had to get like Whoppers in there or, aye, aye, aye. you know me we already know about that not a Whoppers guy no. hey how about the cats winning an exhibition game last night that was a lot of fun are we ready for our first guest Travion which by the way we are very 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 busy today with guests kicking off the second hour is Armoire Richardson from orangebloods.com. He's going to come on and talk to us about the Texas Longhorns who come into town Saturday for a 6 o'clock kickoff. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis at 440. But it is Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight. And once again, I forgot to look it up where it is. I, I thought I knew what it was. I think maybe like New Jersey or something. Uh, but you know it's going to be action-packed. Uh, the All-Atlantic Championship is going to be on the line. Orange Cassidy is putting it up in a triple threat. That's going to be a big one. Hey, why is it – people were talking junk on Orange Cassidy. What's the problem with him? There's not a problem with him. Jim Cornette saying he don't like him. What's what's wrong with Orange Jim Cass- Cornette, if it's not exactly like it used to be in the 80s, yeah. he doesn't like it. Uh, I don't like it. Very, oh. very snooty. Hmm. With well, the product. He was angry about Orange Cassidy. It's Norfolk, Virginia today. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Actually, it's Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk. That's right. We yes, learned we that. can get away with yeah. it. Yeah. Norfolk. Because yeah. uh, shout to Keontae Johnson, That's who right. happens to be from there. That's right. And also Wednesday means we are joined by Derek Young from Case in Online. D.Y., when's your birthday? Travion forgot to pot him up. Uh, once again, uh, D.Y., when's your birthday? May 2nd. May 2nd. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the same day as The Rock. It is. You nailed that. It is Whoa. the same day as The Rock. Also, today is not just Deuce Vaughn's birthday. It is Avery Johnson's birthday. Oh, my God. No way. Somebody Cereal. go to Walmart and get more candy. <laughs> I'm in the given mood. So it's interesting. So the same birthday, Deuce Vaughn and Avery Johnson, just like the same birthday was share, is shared by Bill Snyder and Jerome Tang. And Derek Young and The Rock. Yeah. I mean. Insane. <laughs> That's insane. The reason I know The Rock has a birthday on May 2nd was because of the highest rated segment in Monday Night Raw history, This Is Your Life. And The Rock shouted out, my birthday's May 2nd to McFoley. And I, I, I never forgot it. Wow. Never forgot it. Also, you know, just social media goes nuts on May 2nd yeah. when uh, The Rock celebrates a birthday. D.Y., okay, let's talk about the exhibition win. I forgot to bring my box score in here, um, so I can't give you the details, but maybe you could after the first question as I'm struggling to uh, open everything up here. When, when it came to your expectations hanging into the exhibition against Washburn in the victory, do you think the game measured up to the expectations, good or bad? I I think so. I 
I mean, it, that that is a very broad question. It, it pro- I, to be honest, they probably exceeded my expectations. Aside from the turnovers, and Jerome Tang alluded to before the game, a few days before the game, that those could be an issue. Something that, that we typically see elevated at least a little bit early on in the seasons anyway. Um, so they kind of viewed that as a likely problem, but if you – if you really remove all of that, I thought it was a pretty clean game. Um, everything considered. So I would say that it exceeded my implications or implications, expectations. And Naquan Tomlin, I thought was a little bit more impressive. I thought we would see him really gradually take off as the year went along. And I'm sure that's still going to happen, but he's at least kind of set a higher bar out of the gate than I was anticipating. Cause we know that, you know, by the end of the season, he's probably going to be one of your two or three core players. K-State dominates in the paint last night, outscoring the Ichabods 46-12. to You had 21 offensive rebounds. I did think they gave up a little bit too much on the offensive boards. Maybe they're just too aggressive at getting rebounds. They'd give up some offensive ones to Washburn. But, man, I think scrappy is a fair word to describe an adjective – Shout out to the uh, press conference last night uh, to describe uh, the defense of K-State last night. I thought they played a pretty solid game of defense throughout the night, D.Y. Yeah, no, they, they really get after on the defense, and and we kind of knew that was going to be the case. They, they have tremendous length, tremendous size, tremendous athleticism. They basically, you know, constructed this roster so that they would be an elite defensive team. And obviously that's going to take time and they're going to have to become, you know, more familiar with their communication and their principles and all the rules that they put on that side of the ball. It's, it's really the no middle defense that we've seen at Baylor through the years. And, and I think Texas tech has run it to quite a bit as well. Um, but yeah, no, no, uh, no surprise that this is a team that wants to hang their hat on the defensive end of the floor, and at least in the early going. And this will probably be the, the case for a while. They're much further along from a defensive standpoint than they are from an offensive standpoint. And and you, and I do wonder what kind of shooting team they'll eventually be, and what the the ceiling uh, at least of that compartment will be for this Kansas State roster. But I mean, even the offense. They went through some spells in the second half that you'd like to avoid, but I I still thought it was further along than what I was maybe expecting to see uh, on Tuesday night. I, I, I just, Let me turn on your microphone. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I actually liked it, and you just uh, had your comment retweeted by the head coach, and that was uh, his assessment that the fact that uh, they may have passed the ball too much at times in the game, shared the ball too much in their offense. That's the sign of playing unselfishly. Yeah, shared shared the ball too much the other team, too. Well, <laughs> that too, but welcome to an exhibition. Right. 20, uh, 20 turnovers for Washburn, 19 for K-State, but I think the high turnover number just – New team getting to know each other, but Desi Sills, I mean, he, he, you know, he got here late and seemed like he kind of knew the team better than anybody else when it came to passing the ball. He had seven assists last night. Would you say, because you brought him up at the press conference last night, Dy, was he the one you were most impressed with last night? Yeah, that's that's Desi Sills is who I said was the player of the game. Now that's probably a little funky. Someone that's reading that, someone that's listening right now, like, 
really. Uh, the player of the game is is Desi Sills, and they're going to look at his box scores. I'm I'm bringing up as I talk, and they're like, well, he almost fouled out, and he only scored a point. Um, fair. He went <laughs> over three from three point range as well, but he had four rebounds, seven assists, turned ball over three times in 21 minutes. N- not the worst thing in the world. You'd like to had that number be a, a little bit lower, but his usage rate is is pretty high as well. But I just thought he really made the defense or made the offense go, and um, they were a much better team. They were good, regardless of what lineup was on the floor, regardless of who was on the floor, and I thought that was a sign of a really deep team and and a team that had been constructed to where there's a little drop off in between, you know, the starter and the backup. That's truly the case. But if there was ever like a tangible difference between who was on the floor and who wasn't, I thought it was Desi Sills because I just didn't think the offense had the same rhythm or the same pace or the same speed um, when he wasn't on the floor. I don't know what my is. I mean, Desi. I mean, Desi Sills just impressed me with his passing. Uh, and you're right; he only scored a point last night. But I think you could kind of single everybody out and kind of give a reason why they impressed you, just for their own reasons. You know, Keontae Johnson felt pretty balanced last night. Eight point six rebounds. He just turned over three times, but you know everybody had their issues, I suppose, with turning over the basketball. I kind of next want to go to the bigs because that that's an area where we haven't seen really any depth in the last just about decade, maybe not that long, but it feels like it's been a long time since there's been true depth at the five. But uh, Abayami Ejiola, and then in the second half, we see Jarrell Colbert come in and just swat everything. What do you think about that position? Uh, it really flashed. Uh, it probably played it more. Now, we, you have to consider the opponent, right? Mm-hmm. But that was probably more of a complete game from the bigs than in anything we saw last year at any point in the season. That was just a you know, an empty spot in Albatross on last year's club where they just couldn't get any production out of the five. I think in every game they played, I can't even think of one game where I was like, you know what, the fives played well. But I thought that in the exhibition for this team, Abayami Ejiola uh, didn't really present himself as much of an offensive force. He only attempted one shot, and it's not like they were running offense through him. But boy, he is incredibly long, just like Naquan Tomlin, just like Jarrell Colbert. He's very active on the defensive end. He's very active on the glass. That's a guy that's going to do a lot of the little things for you when he's on the floor, and you're probably able to do a lot of different things defensively because he can. He'll be able to guard a lot of spots on the floor too. Um, he's. It wouldn't surprise me at the end of the day. We're saying, man, you know, Bayami Giel is probably one of the better defenders on the team. Now, Jarrell Colbert. He was the last big off the bench, and obviously he probably made the biggest splash, even though he just played eight minutes. Uh, He could have played sooner, obviously, but they didn't want to play him in the first half, according to Jerome Tang, because they wanted others to have uh, more opportunities so that they could see what they could do on the floor. Colbert played a lot against in the, the scrimmage against Southern Illinois when they went to Kansas City and played the Saluki, so that's why we didn't see a whole lot of Colbert, but five points and five blocks in eight minutes is is a pretty big statement. I also really liked what I saw at David Gasson, and from an efficiency mm-hmm. standpoint, he was probably the best player on the night. And I do want to shout out Cam Carter as well, who was four for seven from the field, 13 points, three assists, three steals, um, and also three rebounds. I, I felt like he had a pretty good game as well, but you know, obviously from the first game, good thing it doesn't count. Free throw numbers were, were pretty rough, 15 of 29. They were getting to the line plenty, 
Uh, just you know, struggled a little bit from the free throw line, obviously, and three point shooting. I think that'll definitely come around. Five for twenty three. Maybe just the uh, you know the boys out there had a little bit of nerves along with their head coach and the coaching staff playing out in front of that purple crowd for the first time. Yeah, and and you know going back to the three point shooting, yes, five to 22 percent of the game. But man, they started out pretty well. I want to yeah. say they were like four for their first nine, ten, four. It was like. They were at a 40% clip there for a minute. Uh, I wonder if this is a team that, you know, it's early in the season and, and they're going to play fast and they really get up and down the court because they have that kind of athleticism. So I wonder if they're still getting their legs underneath them just a bit because that 5 of 23 number certainly contributed because I believe they were 0 out of 7 in the second half. Yeah, they were. And back to the turnovers, if they were to limit more of the turnovers and, and be around that goal that Coach Tang wanted, I mean, be 11, they were, they were doing so well at the hoop and scoring that they definitely could have probably scored in the 90s against Watchmen if they just limit some of the turnovers because I think consistently, I mean, they were around 50% scoring for a long time in that yeah. game. It just kind of yeah. dipped a little bit in the uh, little bit towards the end of the first half. There was certainly a point of the game where they were trending, at least in the first half. I think it was towards the end of the first half. I looked at it and uh, where they were points wise and, you know, trying to think of what they could get. And I was like, you know what, this could be a 90 point game, a hundred percent or a hundred points. If they, you know, stayed at that, at that pace, though, I, I envisioned them slowing down a little bit. So I was like, maybe we'll see an 85, 90, they end up at 76. And like you said, a lot of that's because missing free throws, uh, committing a few more turnovers. They actually had more turnovers in the first half. And they did the second half. And then, you know, missing uh, free throws when they took their trips to the line. We'll talk K-State football when we come back with Derek Young. You're listening to the game. Yeah. Oh. No. Game continues. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berklin is on the board today. We're joined by Derek Young from K-State Online. All right, D.Y., can you make me a promise to not pick K-State to win the rest of the season? Because it's kind of working. We'll we'll go on a (laughs) week-by-week basis, but I'm certainly leaning in that direction because uh, far be it for me to, uh, I guess, irritate anyone that may be superstitious. You you are 0 for right 0 for five predicting on Powercat game day the K State result. Oh, the Big Twelve games. I believe I got Texas Tech right. Oh, ah, that was an easy one, right? <laughs> you know, but Texas this week. I mean, they got Bijan Robinson, Quinn Ewers. Nobody looks better in a Canadian tuxedo than Quinn Ewers. The defense is better statistically. I don't know about that pass defense, but uh, all right, I convinced you why. All right. Um, so K State kind of in a quarterback pickle, aren't they right now? Uh, I, I kind of ask you the hard question, the sixty four thousand dollar question, just with your gut. If Adrian is ready to go and play, and with that hot hand of Will Howard throwing it pretty well, I mean, who should be the starting quarterback against Texas? I mean, if it's up to me, I'm going with Will Howard because of the hot hand argument. I think that's a powerful one and. Look, Adrian Martinez, well, both of Will Howard's games in terms of passing the ball was probably, at least from an efficiency standpoint, and just watching it better than anything that we've seen from a 
from an aerial point of view when it comes to Adrian Martinez this year. So I think that adds an, uh, another element to the offense. I realize Will Howard is not the mobile quarterback that Adrian Martinez is, but you can still form a pretty good running game even without Martinez's legs. You got a guy, um, you know, named Deuce Bond that's that's pretty good at it. So really, the addition of Will Howard a quarterback just makes you a little bit less one-dimensional than you kind of been throughout the year with Adrian Martinez. On top of that, um, if Adrian Martinez wasn't 100% or wasn't able to go at all last week, then then I do have some reservations that he's 100%. And until he's 100%, I'm not, I'm not sure that I roll with him, especially what makes him valuable is his legs and his mobility. I go back and forth. I really do. It's I guess, and it's a good problem to have. I suppose you got two quarterbacks that could go out there and get you a win against Texas. But I mean, just throwing the football, Will's got that zip to it, and he's been accurate. I mean, there's been a couple of throws that have been off, but I think you know maybe some of the pressure that has to do with something like that has to get rid of the football occasionally. But man, some deep throws, he's been just absolutely on the money. I think he has grown up certainly as a QB. But meanwhile, you know, man, Adrian. If he's 100%, I think he kind of have to go with Adrian. I know they want to keep that red shirt for Will Howard in three more years. That would be great. Oh, I'm, it's a tug of war right now, D.Y. It's just hard to pick. I go back and forth, like I say. So, But I – some days I lean Will Howard. Some days I'm going Adrian, you know. But I, I hear the uh, – for sure the, the hot hand argument. So – I, I want to bring up a player that you brought up at the press conference Tuesday, and I thought it was a great question because I saw it as well, and maybe you didn't get the answer you are looking for, but Echo Boydo. Um, I thought his coverage was fantastic. Um, and to add to that, that, that pass interference call was ridiculous. But I, I think that was a game as well where what led to that win is, boy, you were lucky to have Julius Brintz and Josh Hayes back because – I think with them in the game, they really locked down that passing offense from Oklahoma State. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, kids, they, you know, depending on who you ask, top defense in the Big 12, them or Iowa State. I, you know, we do this every week, but they're just good, right? Julius Prince, heck of a player. Josh Hayes, heck of a player. Echo Boydo, really solid player, turning into a really, really good player. Um uh, Kobe Savage, really solid player, uh, turning into a very good player. Daniel Green, all Big 12 beginning of the year. Austin Moore, make an argument that he might be their best defender this year, him or Felix. So then you have Felix Inudike Uzama is going to play a lot of years in the NFL. Eli Huggins, he's probably first or second team all Big 12. They just got studs at every level, a lot of standouts. That's why they're, they're probably the number one defense in the Big 12. But as someone wanted to go with Iowa State instead, I wouldn't have a terrible problem with that. Yeah, is there a starter on this K-State defense that is not all Big 12 right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think Drake Cheatham would be all Big 12. Kobe Savage mm. is probably, you know, borderline, I would imagine. I think Josh Hayes is, Julius Brents is. Echo Boyd Doe is probably borderline. Him mm. and Kobe Savage are borderline. I don't think Drake Cheatham would be, you know... Daniel Green, we'll see how many games he plays, how many games he misses. It could end up being a borderline case for him when it's all said and done. Austin Moore is. Eli Huggins is. Uh, Felix Indy Yazama is. The other defensive end, which has kind of been a split between Britt and Mon and Nate Matlack, probably not. 
I mean, honorable mention. I could see some guys sneak in and get those honorable mentions. But anyway, uh, we're, I mean, we're kind of short on time. we got Mitch Holtis coming up here. But to wrap up here, D.Y., on the football front, I want to ask you about Devin Voss, three-star offensive tackle, 6'6", 275, and uh, wide receiver Wesley Watson. He's a three-star uh, that committed to K-State this week on the same day. Your uh, Your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I mean – just elevated the class even more. I like them both. Wesley Watson is the third receiver of the class. They flipped him from Colorado. He's from Texas. Uh, it's a guy that's really seen his stock soar a little bit. He opened up his process when Carl Durrell was fired for the Buffaloes, and he certainly got more attention once that once that happened. And Kansas State probably closed on him just in time because Oklahoma State offered, Utah offered. So his his star is only shining brighter Devin Vass, same way. A guy's stock is starting to soar a little bit. He was a bit of an unknown at first, uh, off the radar type, a little bit of a sleeper because he's kind of grown into his body a little bit more just in the late last, you know, six to eight months. But he, Florida and Clemson started to show him a little bit more attention last month or two. Not sure if an offer was ever coming from those two programs, but he picked Kansas State over Missouri, over Vanderbilt, I think over Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, there's a few others as well. So I think they're getting two quality players that, that have high upsides and are on the trajectory to see their prospect status rise even more. All right, Derek Young from KCNLine. That's all I got for you this week. Really appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you on PowerCat Game Day, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Thank you. As always, thanks. Derek Young from K-State Online. He's one-third of the PowerCat Game Day crew. I'm also one-third. And the other third is Cole Manbeck. Of course, Cole and D.Y. both from the Three Maw podcast. All right, when we come back, it's every two weeks, boys and girls. We have the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. What does he think about the couple of trades that the Chiefs made right before the trade deadline for the NFL? That's up next on the game. Well, your bye week, were you able to take in some K-State football and a whooping over Oklahoma State? Was at in the flesh. Ooh. Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and had the time of my life. I felt like I was 10 years old again. Now, it's Texas week. K-State jumps up to 13th in the polls, and that's the bump back music we get on a Wednesday. I mean, come on, man. We got attitude at possible. I mean, come on, dude. Let's go. You got to, what, 4 o'clock Saturday to figure this out. So, but... uh it was fun to hear, like, Mitch's, like, PA ability here. Mm. Is that what I heard, some? Yeah. Uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, but I was 10 years old again. And every time, and I, I hadn't gone since the 19 opener, I wanted to see Coach Kleiman's opening game. And that was Labor Day, so we didn't play, and I got to see that. And then I just soaked it in. Uh, we went to the uh, Letter Winners K-Club thing because my wife played basketball at K-State. I was just hitting several tailgates. I uh, was there, of course, for the, the best pregame ceremony, I think, in college football. Uh, the, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance, preamble of the Constitution. And then I'm very proud of certain things. So indulge me here, because this is what I was going through in that afternoon. And every time I go there for a game, it was, I'm trying to think what year, late 80s, I went to Frank Trace and the Pride of Wildcat Land band director, and I said, Philip Sousa wrote a song for K-State. He wrote it for Kansas State Agricultural College, and it was like the, um, you know, it was like the Aggie March or something, or Kansas March, or, and that's what they play. 
That's the John Philip Sousa song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got that going. And I thought, you know what? Cool. That was 30-some years ago, but it's a part of the fabric of game day. That would have and been... I thought, little kid, yeah, family yeah. sat next to me. Little kid had a Junior Wildcat shirt on. I go, yeah, that felt... Got that started, too. 1989, Coach Snyder's first win over North Texas was Junior Wildcat Day, the very first one. Hmm. Then I see the K-State ambassador get chosen, and yep, did that too. I was K-State ambassador my senior year. It was just taking me back through my life. I love that place so much. Um, and just indulging me here, I left a few footprints. People have long forgotten about it, but um, it's kind of like, you know, my work is done here. Was it weird driving up to Bill Snyder Family Stadium and seeing that indoor being built in the East Pay parking lot? Uh, the best. So I was at a tailgate, too, with uh, the Spencer family. That's The roots are Scott City, and Doc Spencer was a booster uh, back in the 80s. And he and I had dreams. We would sit down and, and be at all these catbacker functions, and we would dream about what we thought it could be. And truthfully, you guys, that's what I saw. And I, and I told his son uh, that this is what we envisioned. And to see that indoor facility being built there, the volleyball facility uh, over on the south end and what baseball's doing, have all that in that same complex, it was like, okay, this is, this, this is awesome. This is what you know, we were dreaming about and had in our vision 40 years ago that people laughed at us about. But it was just, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting here because I absorbed the whole day. It was unreal and then to witness that game and to see the first ever game in college football history dating back to 1869 where a top 10 team loses by 48 points mm-hmm. to a team low, ranked lower than they were and then i go man this is this this can't have happened before and it hasn't so to, just to be there and just soak in that and whole day it was just it was a highlight man you triggered all this emotion it was fabulous uh, and some more history for the first time ever. K-State beats two top ten teams in the AP in the same season. That's never happened before. No, and, and it's just the way they're doing it. And then for Will Howard to play at a whole other level. And I thought Will, in the game against TCU in the first half, Coach Coach Kleiman has some really good schemes. Very similar to ours. He's like, he might have part of our iPad. Uh, but from a scheme standpoint, how they get guys open, it's, it's very similar, uh, some of the stuff to what Coach Reed does. But I thought in the TCU first half, when Will played so well, a lot of those were scheme plays. This game the other day, I mean, like the throw to Warner on fourth down is not a scheme play. That's a, that's a shot. Uh, the play to Deuce in the uh, red zone, where they hit him on the out, where he puts the ball in that spot, uh, these were all not scheme plays for Will. He, he made plays that looked like he could be a potential NFL quarterback. And I had not seen that in him prior to that game, but I'm seeing it now. In his progress and upside, I'm excited about. Well, to jump to the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, you know this last game against San Francisco, I'll, I'll tie it in with K-State. So Chris Tennant having some struggles with kicking on the road, so Ty Zintner takes over the kicking duties. Well, Sky Moore has now muffed two punts inside the 15. How do you think Andy Reid is going to handle that? <laughs> it's... Uh, good question. Um, you know, this game is, is really, uh, interesting from a standpoint of, do you realize what, you know what Coach Reed's regular season record is against the Titans? I have no idea. He played him nine times in the regular season. Just, just throw it out there. Have some fun. All right. Eight and one. Nine games. Okay. Anybody else want to chime in here? 
Uh, I'll give it a shot at six and three. Seven and two. It's one and eight. Whoa! I, I had no idea. No. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 He's only had of the thirty-two teams, including the Chiefs, and he played them when he was head coach of the Eagles. Never lost to him. Uh, he's only got three losing records. I think it's the Bengals, Colts, and these guys. And the Bengals, Colts are real close, like four and five or whatever. One and eight, including four losses as Chiefs head coach to these guys, and all are a bit somewhat like the meaningless in their own way. 2014 was a 2-14 and 14 Titan team that beat the Chiefs that lost two players to Achilles injuries within about two game minutes, one including Derrick Johnson. Um, and the other was Mike DeVito. So the Chiefs lose that game. 16, it was a 19-17 upset. King Henry was already on the scene a little bit there, uh, but it was just a complete, like, what just happened. Then in 19... The Chiefs lose in Nashville, 35-32. King Henry goes nuts as uh, Derrick Henry went for 188, including a 68-yard run. And then last year, which was a complete shell shock uh, blowout of 27-3, to uh, Patrick Mahomes' team scored three points. And so that's kind of what the Titans, they've been a little bit of a kryptonite uh, for the Chiefs and Coach Reed uh, down through the years. With one big exception, the AFC Championship game in 2019 the biggest game of all between these two franchises. So with speaking about the Titans and Derrick Henry, you know, the Chiefs statistically, I think they're third best in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. Is that going to be the big clash for Sunday night football, the defense trying to stop Derrick Henry? or I mean, it could be one of those things maybe that goes back and forth. Well, it's that's always the awful point with Tennessee, but it's even more so this year. They just don't have A.J. Brown's gone. Um, you know, they don't have Julio Jones. I mean, they got Robert Woods, and that's about it. They got that Westbrook Aquina guy. They got four tight ends that are all about the same guy that want to block. This is, you're playing Smith Center, the NFL version of Smith Center or West Point this week. And so, yes, it does start there. Um, but what's interesting is they do, they know, you know, it's coming. Can you stop it? It's a Murray State playing Navy a couple years ago in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. Like, and they'll they'll show this. It looks like the same play, but they'll block it totally different. So they execute it. He's a Pro Football Hall of Fame runner. He's a throwback to the '70s, basically. But you've got to be assignment sound. You've got to get help. Uh, you've one dude can't handle it all, but you've also got to be careful that if you. You can't leave your area too soon, or that opens up a cutback lane for him. But the Chiefs are better. I was just on Titans Radio a little bit ago and told him this Chiefs defense is the you know, the best that Andy Reid has potentially in his 10 years with Kansas City because of the it's more athletic and it's more physical and a little more Titanish uh, because the Titans have a whole you know fervor how they do things. This is just a tougher Chiefs team, uh, and especially the defense. Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, Chiefs making a couple of trades. Uh, they get wide receiver Kadarius Toney from the Giants for a couple of 2023 picks, which Chiefs fans don't worry about. It. You're still got plenty of picks to witness in person in KC for the draft, but also Rashad Fitton to the Atlanta Falcons. But I specifically w- w- want to know about Toney and how you feel like he fits in with the offense, or what do you think no, he will fit no, in? He- yeah, Mitch, it's a great question. I just don't know if I've got that answer yet. I'm a little curious myself. Uh, you know, Coach Reed today was pretty emphatic of like, hey, we're not going to wait. Or it's not like, oh, we'll wait till next year. 
wait for a month. But, again, I just want to – it remains to be seen. The Chiefs wide receiver room is so good right now, and the chemistry of this team is so good. Somebody's going to have to be inactive. You're not going to necessarily have six wide receivers active unless they're four, two of those guys are four-core special teamers. So there is a potential because of what Kadarius Tony did at Florida as a returner to possibly integrate him in punt returns right away. Uh, that could be done as early as Sunday night. In the offense, maybe you got a few plays, but then if those few plays, who, who, who are you going to take out? I mean, Justin Watson is a special teams player, and he's proven to be effective on scrimmage downs. McCall Hardman's coming off the best game, arguably, consistently of his career. Juju Smith-Schuster is killing it uh, and is a perfect complement for Travis Kelsey and all the attention he gets. Marquez Valdez-Scaling's not going to be inactive. I mean, you go right down the list here. So where does he fit, this Tony? And what are you going to have him do right away? So my answer to you is I'm going to wait and see uh, just kind of what's up Andy Reid's sleeve. I mean, doesn't help you guys. I'll know more, a little bit more by the end of the week. But on Wednesday night, I'm not sure. Well, Mitch, do you have any, as we wrap up here, any advice for me on my public address announcing anything I need to it's work on? No, it was really good. It was really good. I was just, I mean, it was, it was awesome. That whole day, man, I just was... All five senses were activated, like starting early in the morning and all the way through to the end. I didn't want to leave. I was, it was like the first time I ever went to a K-State game when I was eight years old. I didn't want to leave. And uh, I wanted to soak it in, walk around, and then to have one of the greatest victories really in school history happen on that day. It was like, okay, thank you, Lord. Like, this is the greatest ever. No, it was great. I just thought it really uh, fit the ambiance of the stadium. But I also felt, and I, I don't want to be self-serving here, because people can forget where things start. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't need credit for it. But I did feel a sense of, like, yep, started that. Yep, started that. Yep, brought that in. Yep, started that. And so you do feel a sense of kind of satisfaction or you just realize how much the place means to you uh, because that place uh, is – it's hard for me to put in words. It was just an emotional, wonderful day that uh, – just thank the Lord I even got to experience it. Ever since I started doing public address announcing, people want me to do the good for a Wildcat first downs all the time. I'm sure you get that a lot with the touchdown Kansas City. Oh, yeah, the touchdown Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do it, do it, do it. I'm not going to do it in church. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to do it in church. I have to do it at a funeral. I'm not going to do it. I've been asked to do it in high V. I'm not going to do it in high V. So, yeah, I'm sure you get that too. But it's just part of game day. I think that's where you need to feel – uh, the most satisfaction is it's the, it's the fabric of one of the great game days in all of college football. And you're part of that tapestry uh, that is the mind, heart, and soul of every cat fan that goes to a game. And that's important that you know you go to a game, you want to, like I'm going, like I was at tailgates, and I was just like, nope, I'm going, Tammy and I are going right now because I ain't going to miss a second of everything that starts, you know, a half hour before all the way. And then, what 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 school would like say the national or, or say the pledge of allegiance and then shout out under God, which I just think is awesome, and to, to read the preamble of the Constitution at a football game that leads it up to the national anthem, but then all the songs, all the songs that are K State, but then thinking, you know what? I went to Trace and I said Sousa wrote us a march back in 1912. Let's find it and use it, and now that's part of that pregame ceremony. Again, so it's. Uh, it was just, I mean, God, I wish I could go back to the Texas game. 
I wish I could get back more often, but it was just unreal. It was fantastic. Yeah, an extra wrinkle to the pregame ceremony for Texas. It's Harley Day. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, yeah. I was there for homecoming. It was great. You know, I see the kids come kind of basketball. Well, I announced me as ambassador. And we got clobbered by Missouri that day, though. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah, let me get the Harley started up. One thing I, t- you know, from Smith Center, I love their tradition, too, uh, because they've got an awesome tradition, very similar to what K-State has, but they have their own little Harleys day. Like, before Smith Center runs out, oh, yeah. there's about 20 Harleys that roar, roar it up there, so they borrowed that from K-State, but that's cool. It's all the way down to small school, high school football. Well, Mitch will be listening. Of course, next two is at home against the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mitch, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and thanks to K-State for just what it is, man. And thanks to Coach Kleiman for giving me and letting me feel 10 years old again and giving me one of the great games in school history. That's the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. Again, thanks for your time, Mitch. All right, we're going to take our uh, break at the top of the hour here, but still to come in hour number two, we're going to preview the Texas Longhorns with Anwar Richardson from orangebloods.com, number one song of the day, and ask us anything. And honestly, 525 is kind of up in the air because we got some breaking news potentially about the Big 12, KU trying to slap themselves on the wrist. It's all coming up.